All right. Fire when ready. All right. Happy Monday, Fulios. I hate that term, by the way. Sorry to interrupt already when we're starting. I hate the term happy Monday. What are you talking about? It's not a term. It's just me wishing you a happy Monday. No, it's a a phrase, though. A lot of people say happy Monday. They say happy Friday. First of all, days don't matter with the Rona anymore. And you never say it on Monday because there's no such thing as a happy Monday. Every day is a happy day. Oh, look at you, positive Pete. (laughs) If you have a problem with me wishing people a happy day, we can just end it right now, okay? Just Monday. Just Monday. No. It's a happy Monday, everybody. O, C, and Z. And... Friends, we got Great Face Dave stuck in traffic. We got Gabo doing who knows what. We only got the top half of his head, so you just it's hard to tell what's going on underneath like his nose. He hasn't left the house in like two months. So he's sheltering in place, which is uh, recommended by the California state government. <laughs> Pretty accurate. Fair enough. Uh, all right, we got uh, the OCNZ podcast, at least during the time of cholera. We have our uh, format. We do a Rona rant. We talk about somewhat pertinent sports topic and then we give mm-hmm. you a viewing recommendation we always kick it off with a zachariah rona rant because he is the most impassioned of all of us when it comes to basically everything <laughs> uh actually my my rant is a positive rant and it's about the graduation show that they put on i believe it was saturday night lebron james hosted it they had a bunch of different musicians they showed all these different students uh it wasn't exactly the best watch Necessarily, I fast-forwarded through a lot of it, but I thought it was really cool that athletes and musicians came together and gave these seniors at least something. Obviously, it's not going to replace their senior prom. It's not going to replace their graduation. It's not going to replace all the things that seniors should be able to enjoy. But I thought, in the very least, I mean, honestly, their graduating year is probably going to be more memorable than anybody else's graduating year. Now, not for the right reasons, but at least they gave them something. And a lot of kids out there got to watch it, and I'm sure they all Zoomed each other while they watched it. And I just thought it was really cool that the athletes and the musicians went out of their way to kind of have this graduation celebration of sorts. And, again, it's not going to replace the real thing, and it's not going to bring back all those memories that they would have gotten had they had their normal senior year. But I thought it was really cool. And I just think that if, you know, try to make the best of the situation. And again, I'm assuming all these seniors zoomed each other and watched it all together. And maybe they saw a friend that was on there or maybe they saw, you know, a a representation of their school on there. I just thought it was at least something cool and something that they can at least look back on as a memory for their senior year. Yeah, that's unique. Cool. All right. Positive Pete. We'll go with that for your run around. Did you watch it? No. Did you even know that it happened? I didn't know it happened. Okay. Sal, the books, did you know? No, I I mean, I didn't know, but I'm not surprised. We have such a culture of just setting everything and just, oh, I have to have a celebration for this and a celebration for that. And if I can't celebrate it in person, I'll Zoom it and I'll have a celebrity shout out. It's all meaningless. This is actually my Rona rant will be going oppo you. Too Jesus. much celebrating of course, in the of world course. First of all, first of all, you could be going oppo me if I said I wanted to end world hunger. You'd be like, we don't need to end world hunger. Hunger is good. Sometimes it's good to be hungry. And of course you're going to pee in the Cheerios of celebrities and musicians coming together to give these guys some semblance of a graduation. Go ahead with your Rona rant to go anti my Rona rant. People celebrate for any reason, man. I just, it's just nonsense. And it's like, here's another example of people celebrating stupidly. You know, there's another Zoom thing that we had celebrities on. People showing on the NFL draft when teams, when fans are cheering wildly for the pick, as if they even know if it's a good pick or not. 
You got teams out here cheering for guys that they didn't know of a couple months ago, and they have no way of predicting to be a good player or not. Okay, that I agree with you on. But students getting to are you anti graduation in general? If there wasn't a Rona, are you anti going to a graduation and throwing your caps in the air and stuff like that? I can take it or leave it. Okay, whatever. Did you attend your uh, college graduation? Yeah. What about Great Face Dave? You got a college degree? No, I, I went to trade school, and I did have a graduation at trade school. Did you attend said graduation? Hell yeah. I got extra awards, and uh, my oh, family nice. was there, and my wife's family was there. Cool. All right. I didn't. My college graduation, I didn't go to. High Why? school? Because I was graduating from a university with 30,000 people, and there were like 8,000 in my graduating class. There were something like 1,500 from my the the college Make- of – of behavioral sciences. Yeah. So I was just sense. like, I'm not going to go to that. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Okay. Okay. I don't think but so. High school graduation for me, like, I loved it. It was a big deal. I spoke at high school graduation. I loved it. So I'm with you. I think it's cool that these high school kids get a little bit of something. Who I actually feel bad for, like, high school kids, they're going to be fine. I got a long time. I really feel bad, though, for the college graduates that are coming out of college this year because there's no jobs. There's no internships. There's nothing. These people are finishing school and they're heading out into a collapsed economy and hoping that they get, you know, their stimulus checks, which they don't get because none of them qualify as having lost a job because they've been students for however long. It sucks for them. Yeah, yeah. I hear you on that. You got a Rona rant? I got a Rona rant. Uh, this is, you know, we're giving, giving viewership suggestions. The Rona thing, it's exhausting to try and keep track of everything that's going on, right? And I am lucky enough to live in a place where we've, uh, for better or worse, we've had much fewer restrictions than everyone else, and they've eased those restrictions even further. Utah is now in its yellow phase, which means you can have gatherings of up to 50 people, gyms are open again, all that stuff. But if you want to just, like, get away from worrying about what's happening next, all this Corona crap – there's no better way to do it than a campfire. Man. Go somewhere in the woods, light a fire in a pit. Don't just light a fire in the woods, but just sit around a campfire, make some s'mores. Thanks, Funky the Bear. <laughs> make some s'mores, man. You will forget all about the Rona. And that, yeah. uh, you know, that did you do that this weekend? Yeah, we did it this weekend. I ate, I probably ate 13 s'mores on, on Friday night. <laughs> Not surprised. Great face, Dave, or, or I guess Sal already gave his, his Rona rant. You have a Rona rant, great face, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same as OC, but my wife and I, we got tired, and I brought this up before. One of my favorite things is Korean barbecue, okay? And there is no Korean barbecue places open. So we went out and we bought the grill and the little fire starter thing, and we got the frozen meat and all the sides and everything. And we've had Korean barbecue for the last two nights outside. Watched The Last Dance. And what was the other show we watched? We watched 90 Day Before Fiance. And uh, <laughs> it was awesome. It was amazing. So that's my run rant. I love that. Uh, do it yourself at home, Korean barbecue. You love all things Korean. Have you been watching the Korean baseball? No, but I have been watching some Korean dramas. <laughs> Am I the only one concerned about Great Face Dave, though? He's, he's in a commute right now, and we're getting the equivalent of, like, what's one of those dash cams that you see? 
And the only times I usually see dash cam footage is when something bad happens, and then people yeah. are posting it on the news or to YouTube. Like, we have dash cam of Great Place Dave, and I'm just on pins and needles. This something bad is about hey, to happen. His hands are at 10 and 2. He's got his seatbelt on, all right? And he's only looking at us uh, on the screen about 65% of the time, which means he's got 35% of his eyes on the road. So I'm sure he'll be all right. Okay, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I have been driving a Tesla for the last two years, and now I'm driving my Subaru Outback. So oh, my bad. Humble brag. Excuse us. <laughs> for real. Because uh, usually I would just set it and forget it, and I'd be at my office already, and the car would just drive me there. But, yes, I do have to pay attention. Wow. I love that. The set it and forget it, by the way. Infomercial classic. Ron Popeil. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was a rotisserie cooker, right? Yeah, that was a rotisserie cooker. Set it and forget it. Man, I always I, wanted one of those. You know that guy, Ron Popeil, used to hawk his wares on the boardwalk, literally? The guy would, like, set up a card table on the boardwalk in Atlantic City and sell kitchen appliances. Dude, salesmen got to sell. I've spent a lot of time in Atlantic City the last two years because PFL does fights there. And that place, I can't imagine ever successfully doing anything there. Like, it is just, it is just a, a sad wasteland. I, like, it's just amazing to me that anyone built any successful empire, even in like selling t-shirts or certainly kitchen appliances on that boardwalk. Crazy. All right. We got to get to our actual sports discussion and it's going to center around the last dance, but I want to keep this concise. Okay. By the way, Sal the books, aka Alex Trebek, Bob Ryan. Admitted today that NBA historian Bob Ryan admitted today that there was a bunch of stuff in the documentary that he didn't know, and yet you, Sal the Books, claim that you know everything that's in there. I don't care. Am I supposed to genuflect to Bob Ryan? I don't give a yes. shit what he has to say. Yes. It's hilarious how when some, if you put somebody on TV, Bill says, oh, man, this guy's smart. We're not, we're not going to get into the minutia of why – Gabe hates the last dance. We it's already did so, that. He's so arrogant. It's unbelievable. He thinks he knows more than Bob Ryan, who's been studying the game for like 150 years. Neither here nor there at this point. Okay, anyway, because there was there was a revelation that look, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. It was tough for people to watch last night's episodes in Jazz Nation, right? Because that was. Can we start there. I just want to ask you because you were how old when the when these finals were going on? Same I mean, as me, right? Yeah, so, 14 years old. 1914. What was the environment like growing up there? Like, what was it like for those two years when it was finals times? Because the, the stuff that they showed on TV looked like the people were going insane. Yeah, you've never seen 19,000 white people going that crazy. No, it was. <laughs> look, it was it was amazing. That time I was I grew up a Knicks fan. I love Patrick Ewing. I grew up a Knicks fan. But those years, it was impossible not to be on the jazz bandwagon because first of all, you had the Hall of Fame duo. And a supporting cast that was really fun and interesting. Brian Russell was awesome, great in the community. You had the big dog Antoine Carr, all these guys. Greg Ostertag used to drive. You know how there's like Ford has like the F-150, the F-250, the F-350, and those are like trucks that normal people drive? Yeah. Well, Greg Ostertag drove like an industrial truck, like an F-550, and you would see him driving that thing around town all just because he was like he's just like a big redneck who, who just who just wanted to have a big truck and he had lots of money. So like everyone's got their stories. It's great. It was a wonderful time. It's the best time that sports fans have ever had in the state of Utah. And I know that's sad because they didn't actually win the championship, but that was like the golden age 
of jazz basketball. So very nostalgic to look back on it. But there was a revelation, and at least for me it was a revelation. I think it's a revelation for everyone else. Who knows? But when they were talking about the so-called flu game, right, there's a long-standing belief held in the state of Utah that was not the flu, that Michael Jordan was hungover because everyone's cousin or mom's best friend or whoever has a story about Michael Jordan being out in Wendover, Nevada, gambling across the border until, whatever, 5 or 6 in the morning and drinking all night, and he was hungover. Everyone's got these stories, right? So the flu game has existed in jazz lore and in, obviously, NBA lore forever and ever and ever. But you saw on the documentary series, the first time I have seen Michael Jordan say, I didn't have the flu, I had food poisoning, right? And then they tell this harebrained story about how the only place open for food was one single pizza restaurant. They ordered a pizza. Five guys showed up to deliver the pizza. And then Michael Jordan ate that pizza all by himself, even though they were super suspicious. And the implication is that Michael Jordan was deliberately poisoned by someone in Salt Lake City with food poisoning or with whatever else to make him sick for that game. So, first of all, why would you let Michael Jordan eat a whole pizza to himself the night before a game, especially when it was delivered in under suspicious circumstances. What they are telling you is a lie, which means they don't want you to know the real story, which means there's actually probably more credence to all of these apocryphal tales I've been hearing for the last 20 years about how Michael was actually up playing poker in Park City until 6 a.m. or whatever else. What say you? What I say is, I mean, I don't know who to believe. I mean, it it would be pretty bold to come out and lie and stick to the story amongst all your people. I'm not saying that that it's three people. It's three people. And it's Michael Jordan himself. And it's two people whose entire life and career is based on Michael Jordan's success. If you can't get them to corroborate for you. Well, I'm just saying that I think Jordan a bunch of times was out gambling and drinking and never looked like that. And to get as in detail as they did where he was in the fetal position and he couldn't hold anything down. I'm not saying, look, I would believe just as much that they poisoned his pizza and he actually had food poisoning than I would that he was out gambling the night before and was hungover. I'm just saying anytime I'm hungover, I don't look like that. That's what you look like when you either have the flu or you had food poisoning. That's how you look when you've been throwing up, but not from alcohol, like from a sickness or from food or whatever. Trust me as a guy who <laughs> has has had his – actually, I never throw up off of alcohol. But anyways, I've seen a bunch of people hungover. You don't look like that. Great face, Dave. What do you think? Well, I think it's a great – this is great because I've never heard a uh, Utah fan's point of view because I remember this growing up, and I hated the Jazz. I hated the Jazz. I hated the fans. Whenever they went to Utah, I was just like, those fans are the worst. And when they did the pizza thing yesterday, I was like, it hit home. I was like, yeah, they're the worst. They absolutely poisoned him. And I think it's great, OC, because I've never met anyone who grew up in Utah and was like, yeah, the Jazz were awesome and we loved them. Because when we go into the future more, when we go from the last dance, we talk about the Lakers and the rivalry they had with the jazz. So I remember hating the jazz all through my childhood. 
and it's great to hear a point of view from a Utahonian. Is that what you guys would call yourself? That's what I'm calling you. And um, it's and you're not like, right, but I like it. And you're like, no, we did not poison him. There's like a dozen pizza places open. This is all a lie, you know. And I think it's great because, yeah, I think you guys poisoned him. Okay. Oh, see, I think you had a part in it. Yeah. Whole community like spit or did something you know, to give him some kind of ailment. And I'm going to go with the pizza story. I'm not going to side with OC. I'm going to say that you jazz fans poison the greatest basketball player of all time just to get a win game six. Gabo, instead, uh, of, being, Gabo, instead of being pessimistic, instead of being peeing the Cheerios, just tell us what you think your theory is. What do you think happened? The other thing that's pretty silly about the pizza story if these guys really, really did do that, they're the least slick people of all time. If you're going to poison a pizza, why would you deliver it with five people? Does that make it extra suspicious? Like, if you wanted to get away with it, go ahead, poison the pizza, and then deliver it normally. You're yeah. calling attention to yourself in a ridiculous fashion by having a bunch of people roll up. So if true, that's a weird story. Also, if made up, it's a weird makeup by Jordan's crew. Why wouldn't you just say something simple like, I ordered a burger from room service and I got sick. Yeah. You don't need to make it extra special to make it believable. That's why I'm just like, okay, wait. So Tim Grover on the last dance was like, yeah, like a bunch of people showed up to deliver this pizza and I was suspicious. Oh, really? Were you suspicious? Then why did you let the best player on earth eat the whole pizza by himself the night before a finals game, you idiot? Why did you not get your ass in a car and go like take a cab because there was no Uber back then? Take a cab from the Hilton, which is, by the way, where they stayed, which is dead center in the middle of downtown Salt Lake City, which is only six blocks. You could have walked the entire downtown and found a taco place or a pizza place or whatever. They're pretending that in 1998, Salt Lake City was like run by the Amish and there was no place you could get food. Knock it off. There were 10 diners, 24-hour diners within walking distance of his hotel. You didn't only have a pizza option. They lied. And the only reason that they lied is because they don't want you to know what the real story is. Apparently Jordan spit on the pizza so that nobody else would eat any of it. I mean, didn't have that by myself. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't get that on the last dance, did you, Bill? OC, OC, let me ask you something. You being an athlete, before or after a game, I guarantee that you could put away a good amount of food. Yeah, we've established that. He's, a, he's asking, a fat boy. If you're boy. asking me would I eat an entire pizza the night before a fight, the answer is no. Oh and look, really? Mike not eat a whole pizza when you were in your prime and you were eating stuff like you didn't give a damn, okay? And I'm referring to my memories of growing up. I well, had a high school quarterback, and after every game, this guy would eat a full-size Mountain Mike's the biggest pizza, the extra okay, large. But you're talking about – And then we would go to In-N-Out. And we would play a game with me and not him, but other friends. We would try to eat how many four-by-fours you could eat. And That's amazing, but you're talking about after a game. You're talking about after a high school game. That doesn't mean shit, okay? And you're talking about after. We're talking about before a game. And look, Michael Jordan is probably the kind of guy who can do that, right? Who can eat a pizza the night before a game and still be fine. Chad Johnson famously eat ate McDonald's every day of his life and still at age 40 has a better body than any of us ever will. Like to compare somebody like me, even though I did have a time as a professional athlete to a Michael Jordan is just a fallacy. We can't do it. So maybe Michael Jordan 
Always. He On the documentary last night on the show, he said, yeah, you know, woke up, watched TV, played piano, had a couple of beers, smoked a cigar. That was on game day. That was at shoot-around on game day. He was like, this is what I do. So Michael Jordan is different. But that story where they implied that Utah fans deliberately poisoned Michael Jordan is a lie. Because if they thought he was being poisoned and they still let him eat the pizza, it's their fault anyway. Stupid. Enough with Pizza Gate. Real quick, can I ask you this? Gabe probably knows this. Do you know what happened to the shoes Michael Jordan was wearing in that game? Oh, it was the kid in the locker room afterwards that he had promised them to before the game. And then yeah. the kid came into the locker room afterwards because it was such a big deal, Jordan flu game, and he was too shy to ask for the shoes, even though Jordan had promised them to him, the Salt Lake City ball boy. And Jordan called him over and told reporters to get away because he had promised the kid the shoes. Didn't he sell them years later now, recently? Yeah, he sold them like a couple years ago for a hundred grand. Good for him. He kept them in a safe deposit box from the time he was a teenager until he needed money, and then he sold the Jordan flu game shoes, authenticated by Michael, for a hundred and five thousand bucks, basically. He signed them. Uh, yeah, they were signed. And you want to know? This is maybe even deeper. The reason that Jordan had promised that particular ball boy shoes is because previous to that game. And to the encounter where Preston Truman, the name of the guy, asked for the shoes, Michael Jordan, apparently, he had like a thing, athletes are this way, right? Where you want to eat something in particular, like in the locker room, you want to have a certain beverage or whatever. Apparently, Michael Jordan was a big applesauce guy. He wanted applesauce like in his locker. And people were like, we don't have any applesauce. We can't find any applesauce. But this ball boy was like, oh, I got applesauce in my lunchbox. So he provided Michael Jordan with, like, one of those little applesauce cups. (laughs) So they were, like, buddies because of that. Because Preston Truman, like, as a young man, as a teenager, was like, hey, Mike, I heard you wanted applesauce. Here's some of my applesauce. So you got the greatest player in the world to be, like, your friend because you gave him applesauce. And then he ended up – basically, the long-term trade was a cup of applesauce for $105,000. What kind of applesauce eat up there? What kind of what kind of applesauce do we what eat? What kind of question is that? How many different kinds of applesauce hey, are there? I'm glad you asked. We actually have a rare apple tree that only grows <laughs> on the shores of the Great Salt Lake. It's called a salt apple, and it is delightful. It comes out tasting like caramel. No, Dave, we have regular ass applesauce. I just meant like what kind of brand of applesauce do you guys it have? It doesn't matter. Can I get to my damn notes? We spent an hour on pizza and applesauce. Yeah, let's please. Your notes are always the most important thing that can ever happen. It's a lot better than Pizzagate for 45 minutes. Okay, from the top. I loved when Jordan was watching the fight between him and Reggie Miller, and he said, don't hold him back, let him go. Jordan would whoop Reggie Miller in a fight, right? Absolutely. With those conehead teeth. Reggie Miller was like emaciated and like fought his way back from having like leg braces as a child. So credit to Reggie Miller, but yeah, he's not going to win in a fight. I hated Reggie Miller growing up. I hated his teeth. I loved how all the Pacers did was play hard, and MJ said that it became personal to him. I think he ends every single sentence with "it became personal to me." How is a team playing hard personal to you? That doesn't even make any sense. Every team's going to play hard, in the words of Rasheed Wallace. I feel like he found anything that he could find to give him the mental. I know. I Dave, I agree with that, but that's completely ridiculous to say that a team played hard and it became personal to him. Anyways, in that crazy game where Miller hit the game winner, there was 6.4 on the clock 
and the Pacers were going to inbound the ball all the way from the other side of the court. Why in God's name didn't Larry Bird use his timeout? And they ended up turning it over. Now it worked out because Pippen smoked the free throws and then Reggie Miller hit that famous shot. And so the timeout, he ended up using it then. But still, how was 6.4 not knowing that all that was going to go down? How do you not call a timeout and inbounds the ball from half court? Is 6.4 you think enough to get all the way up the court and get off a good shot versus being able to run a play and run it from half court, I thought that was completely insane, just from a logistics standpoint. I mean, yeah, I guess. I I know the the ability to advance the ball at a half court was a rule that was implemented at some point. Do we remember which year it was implemented? Because it hasn't always been a fact in the NBA. So I'm not, I'm not sure was, if that came into play or not. It, it was not effect then, because there was some plays earlier where Jordan got to bring the ball up that they talked about. So it was yeah. it was. Well, anyway, strategy. I think when I, I was just distracted because every time I think of Reggie Miller, I get a chuckle about the story of him and his sister being competitive in high school. She's obviously one of the greatest players of all time. Reggie Miller, I've, you guys have probably heard the story before, but comes home after he has a big high school game, bursts through the door. He's like, he's like, Mom, Dad, I, I went for a career high, hit for 39, just juice because he was lighting fools up in his high school game. And they're like, yeah, your sister had a game tonight also. She had 105. <laughs> that was the night that Cheryl Miller broke 100 in a high school game. So talk about getting the wind taken out of your sails for a career night. You come home, you drop close to 40, you're feeling yourself. This drops a C-note plus a nickel. Oh, that would hurt so bad. And it's like, it's not like, you. I mean, not to be, uh, you know, uh, when you're gender racist. Not to, not, not to be sexist, but... Wow. <laughs> I like my term better. Hey, when you edit this, you better leave in gender racist. (laughs) I like it. I like gender racist. That's a billism for you. Anyways, it'd be one thing if it was your older brother, but your older sister doing it had to hurt a little bit more. Anyways, I found the uh, Brian Russell. He went to a practice and Carl Malone, this is when he was playing baseball. And I guess Carl Malone and Brian Russell was there. And Brian Russell said to him, Why'd you quit, dog? You know I was going to lock you up or you know I was going to give it to you or whatever. And Jordan said he never forgot that. Why would you even do that knowing that there's an opportunity that he could come back? Because he thought he was retired and you're – look, every NBA player is brash, all right? Obviously, this whole series focused on how brash Michael Jordan got to be. But every NBA player that I have ever met is a brash personality because they're one of 13 dudes making – X number millions of dollars in their city. Like, it's crazy. They all have insane confidence. Michael Jordan just had the most justifiable insane confidence. So I will never, ever, ever be surprised by an NBA player, especially a young NBA player, talking trash for any reason at all. There was a similar story after his second retirement. So after he was done, but he was in L.A. playing some of these, you know, pickup games that NBA players are notorious for having in L.A. at UCLA. And apparently Paul Pierce was there. And Paul Pierce was talking shit to Jordan and just basically saying, it's our league now, you old man, all this kind of stuff. And Jim O'Brien, then the Celtics coach, pulled Paul Pierce aside and said, that's the one guy that you never talked to. And at this point, Jordan was, again, three years out of the league, and it was after his second retirement. So even the, <laughs> some of the old are like, don't test Jordan regardless, because like, how many times do you have to touch the stove before you can just assume that it's hot, man? It's happened a million <laughs> times with Jordan people running their mouth. couple notes on the Utah Jazz crowd was an OC touched on it. Number one, how wide it was. Number two, that they were so insanely loud that the coaching staff had to wear earplugs. 
Like there was one shot where they're, there's just, they're showing the coaching staff and like Jordan's off to the side and the whole coaching staff just has earplugs in. I, I've never seen that before. And then also there was this one crazy white lady that they kept showing. The first time she said, well, I can't say what she said, but I could read her lips. And it was just, she was just rabid. Anyways, I know all places are crazy when it's the finals. Everybody gets nuts. But I mean, where do you think the Jazz rank in terms of insane places to play? I mean, there was back then they were the loudest arena, loudest indoor arena in sports, like. On the decibel meter, I think it, that has since been broken a couple of times. But, yeah, it was uh, – Utah is notoriously a bad place to play. Now, unfortunately, in, the, in more recent years, it's become notoriously bad for NBA players for different reasons, which sucks. But, yeah, back then, like, the players always talked about it. They, you know, Jazz had great home court advantage. And then uh, a random note, you guys know how much I love Barkley. And Stockton hit that game winner over Barkley when Barkley was on the Rockets and they had – Drexler and Hakeem, who obviously were fading in their career, all three of them, really. But at the time, as a kid, I was absolutely devastated. And then I realized it didn't matter. They were going to lose to the Bulls in the finals anyway. So it was kind of like it took away that scar from my childhood because I didn't realize that they were going to face the Bulls in the next round anyway. They weren't going to win. Anyways, that's just a side random note for me. One thing that it made me think of, Bill, when you're talking about the, the noise in the crowd and the coaches having to wear earplugs, this is random Bay Area trivia for you, but back in the day when high school basketball used to be a big deal in the Bay Area and they had the Tournament of Champions, they, uh-huh. would, they would pack in the crowds and it would get super loud. And a famous coach, uh, McClyman's the alma mater of Bill Russell, of course, here in Oakland, had a system where he literally brought a stereo cabinet and wired headphones. And so his team, during the timeout, he'd tell that their school band to play as loud as possible so that nobody else could hear and the other team couldn't hear. And then he'd have his players put on headphones, and he'd talk to them and give them the whole timeout strategy. And that was like his inside advantage. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What else do I got? Oh, I love that when Kerr hit that game winner, I love that Jordan put a Gatorade cup over his mouth because he didn't want people to see what he was saying. <laughs> and, and Kerr just leans over and he goes, oh, to me? To me? Yeah, yeah, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. You're going to throw it to me? Like, just totally over as Jordan's going like, hey, check it out. I'm going to hit you because I know you're going to be open. I'm going to hit you. And he's like, oh, me? I just was dying laughing. <laughs> Jordan's trying to hide it with a Gatorade cup. And Kerr's like a little a little schoolboy, so excited. Hey, Steve Kerr's championship parade or the championship celebration speech. Oh, yeah. Just incredible. I, I, I guess I got to bail Jordan out again. Yeah, just incredible, man. Just a full comedy set for those 400,000 people gathered at the park in Chicago. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And then his story about his dad getting murdered. I knew that his dad was murdered because I remember hearing a, a really messed up story about when he was at Arizona fans in the stands were chanting something about his dad's death, something really faulty. Gabe, do you know what they were chanting? Arizona State fans were chanting at him. I don't remember the exact chant, but, I mean, was it something political? I know his dad was a diplomat, obviously. No, 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 no. It was, like, something really bad about his dad being dead. Like, I don't know if it was, like, your dad is dead, but it was, like, something really bad. Anyways. Are um, college fans more vicious than pro fans, do you think? Ooh, great question, because the Duke fans are insane. That was the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah, oh, probably. Uh, uh, I just looked it up. They were chanting PLO, which was like the People's Liberation or something. Uh, it was the organization that killed his dad in Lebanon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, see, I thought it was just 
for whatever reason in my head, I thought it was just like some military thing. But he wasn't involved. It must have been the reason why I thought that is because a military organization out there killed him. But he wasn't part of any sort of military. He was part of like some teaching institution. The, was chants, that- the chants directed at Steve Kerr were chants of PLO along with your father is history and oh. people oh. yelling at him saying, why don't you join the Marines and go back to Beirut? Oh, wow. I'm going to go with college fans are more intense than pro fans. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm going to go with soccer fans are the most intense fans. Oh, for sure. Throwing bananas at black players and stuff. Soccer fans are totally insane. Uh, well, how about the soccer fans in South America where they have to build a moat around the field so that people can't charge out of the stands onto the field? Yeah. <laughs> or when they killed the – was it the goalie that let an own goal in or something? They literally- no, the guy who shot the own goal, the guy who tried to pass it back to the goalie and scored on his own goal. Yeah. They killed him. Yeah, so I would say soccer fans number one, college fans number two. No, I would say, I would say European basketball fans in some place. Have you heard about like the guys in Europe who throw the batteries and like fireworks inside and stuff? <laughs> they do that in Philly. They, they put, did do that in Philly. They put batteries inside snowballs and they throw that stuff. And they throw them at Santa Claus. Philadelphia is an armpit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't talk about Gabo's Philadelphia Eagles. Here's a random one for you. Poor Tom Borwinkle, who did look like a hilarious oaf out of a movie. But do you remember when they were showing that old Sports Center clip? And they were like, this might be the last year for Jordan. So the Bulls will be rebuilding and going back to the year before Jordan was a rookie. And they showed this dude, Tom Borwinkle, and yeah. he had hair that went over his ears. And he just looked like the most out of shape dude. And I was just sitting there thinking, maybe Tom Borwinkle is watching this. And he's just going, why'd you have to do that to me? Yeah. Did you have to include that? Because he really looked really bad, but I felt really bad for him. <laughs> and what a name, Tom Borwinkle. Which is why exactly they used that. It wouldn't be as funny if they used a guy named like Craig Sampson, you know? Isn't there a cartoon, something in Borwinkle or something? Rocky and Bullwinkle, yes. <laughs> Still close enough. Did you make it through your notes? Uh, I'm almost there. You have more um, notes? What the hell? I didn't realize that he guaranteed Game 7. Oh, here's a sentimental thing. Another, It's part of our podcast at this point that I bring up my pops. But when my pops passed, I took on my dad's best friend as my pop, too, and I go to Michigan every summer to see him because he's kind of like my father figure now. And Jordan has a pop, too, too, and that was Gus. And I didn't realize yeah, yeah. He, was, he would call him at 2 in the morning crying about it, and Gus would go over there. So Gus was a pretty cool feature. Do we know if Gus is still with us? I think Gus is gone. That's why they were sp- speaking with Mrs. Gus, why, with his wife. Oh, good point. But they never mentioned anything about his death. They did say that he had lung cancer, but they didn't say anything about his death on it. By the way, his, I say this with all due respect, but his wife, like, she's gotta be in her seventies, and it's uh-huh. still, a, it's still a gorgeous lady, like. Oh, in the words of, uh, in the words of one of my buddies, black don't crack jack. Yeah, no, I, it, evidenced by, uh, several personalities on this series. For sure. Her first and foremost. The older white people look hella old, and the older black people look like they did when they were going back and forth between the flashbacks. Reggie Miller looks the same <laughs> now as he did when he was like a rookie in the NBA. Except for he got his teeth fixed. His bottom teeth okay. do, not look, do not look like he was from the Conehead movie. What is your obsession with Reggie Miller's so teeth? Grayface Dave so hates Reggie Miller's teeth more than anyone hates anything else in life. So rich, and I said to myself every time I saw him, 
you could not go to an orthodontist during the off season and at least get braces, bro. You could have done that. Okay. Like, that's first of all, adult braces are not a viable option if you're in the NBA. Okay. They're just not. You cannot be Reggie Miller and show up to a pickup game or a shoot around or anything rocking adult braces. You would never hear the end of it. He looked like he was from the movie The Coneheads and he had a second row of teeth. He should have gotten them fixed. Okay. It always bugged all me. Right. Always bugged me. And I hate the Pacers okay. just because of his teeth. Okay, okay, Dave, Dave, we got it. We got take it. it. Easy. Take it easy, guy. <laughs> He's up on Reggie Miller. The 54 points being the lowest amount of points, not only in a playoff game, but a regular season game since the shot clock era. Oh, that hurt me. I remember, like, that was probably the thing that stung the most for me. I know other Jazz fans, like, the shot going in, the photo, the push-off that wasn't actually a push-off, like, all of that stuff. Yeah. Is, you know, all of that is just like deeply ingrained and traumatic for jazz fans. But the one that that triggered me the most watching that episode last night was I, I hadn't thought about the 54-point game in a long time. And when Jerry Sloan sat down, it was just like, <laughs> is this the final score? I remember that moment exactly, and it brought it all flooding back, the, just the, the secondhand embarrassment I felt. Just be like, oh, no, the worst performance in finals history. No, in NBA history since the shot clock. No team had ever scored less points. That part that part floored me. With two Hall of Famers, two Dream Teamers on the floor. Yeah. With Jeff Hornacek. I mean, like, with good shooters, good supported cast, 54 points. It was and an all those all those scores were hilarious. Every time they'd show a final score... It would be like what a halftime score is today. It's like 88 to 83. Yeah, 76, 68. It's like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, because they played defense back then, guy. Yeah, for real. Okay, this one, I can't believe we didn't get to this one earlier. Dennis Rodman, in the middle of the finals, goes to wrestle on TV. It's not like he went to like a bar or went to a strip club or something. He went to something that was going to get seen by everybody and it was wrestling where you could get hurt. Think about think about one of the best players in the finals today doing that. Well, he didn't yeah, look. It would explode. You're right, but this is like this is why it's the same as we already talked about after the Rodman focused episodes. The most, like, the biggest takeaway from that is not that there was, like, a Looney Bin guy who's really good at basketball who was playing on the Bulls at the time. There, there's, there's odd personalities in every sport. There's guys who do crazy stuff in every sport. But we lived in a time where you could actually do this and people wouldn't find out about it beforehand. You wouldn't have to worry about the PR backlash until afterwards. It was more of an ask forgiveness than permission kind of thing. But the most important deal here is that Phil Jackson was just like, oh, yeah, he's not here. Unexcused absence. Oh, well. And then what Dennis and Phil actually talked about, he's just like, hey, don't do that. Go back and play. Like, <laughs> yeah. Phil Jackson. Fine, fine, but not suspended. Phil Jackson knew, knew Dennis Rodman, knew Dennis Rodman's needs, and knew that he was a freak, and he didn't try and change him. He was just like, yeah, you're going to give me the best of you? Okay, I'll take it. And that, like, that happens still in sports. But well, you're talking about arguably the best coach in the history of the NBA, one of the, the best rebounder in the history of the NBA, and he's just like, you know what? I am just going to let you be you because you have a talent that I need, and so I'm not going to fight this battle. 
But to wrestle is the craziest part to me. If he had gone to a strip club, if he had gone to a casino, if he had done pretty much anything other than wrestle, wrestle the wrestling part is what's crazy to me. Because didn't they show? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm not down with the NWO or the whatever, the WEE or WII or whatever. WWF. Didn't they show that live? I think that NWO show was live, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. So everybody knew that he went wrestling. It's not like it was. I don't know. That that was just crazy to me. In the middle I of the watched- Finals. Even if it was in the middle of like the first round of the playoffs, it wouldn't be in his. We're talking about the finals. But I, yeah, I, I hear you. Phil handled it well. I watched the wrestling thing, and it re-inspired me to get excited about fake wrestling again. Uh, well, that's a negative side effect. Yeah. I think the effect that they wanted, though. If you think about it, though, Zach, the idea that he was like doing something that was on TV and that was regulated and like a performance that was scripted is probably much safer than if Dennis Rodman had, like, when he just disappeared into Vegas on a drug bender and was drinking the whole time. Like, I would much rather, as the Bulls, as a Bulls fan, I'd much rather he he's hanging out on TV with Hulk Hogan than he's at some place <laughs> in Vegas drinking 40 shots of who knows what. Like, yeah. that, was the least, that was the least risky behavior that Dennis Rodman engaged in. In yeah. an extracurricular basis. couple of notes on game six. Number one, I remember Pippen being banged up. I didn't remember the severity of how bad it was. And maybe nobody really knew, and you could only tell because we had the behind the scenes on this, but I didn't realize it was that crippling. I remember him hurting a little bit, walking up and down uncomfortably, but I didn't remember that it was that bad. But I ask you guys this. Number one, I don't blame Carl Malone for getting the ball stripped because if you watch that play, anybody in that position would think that Jordan cleared out. Like, Jordan basically fake cleared out, and I don't blame Malone for thinking that he did. Like, maybe he should have glanced over his shoulder to make sure, but it's just like a normal play where you think Jordan's clearing out, and Jordan just decided mid-play, like, I'm just going to stay here. And so I don't blame Malone for that. What I want to ask you guys is, on the famous shot, why didn't the Jazz double him? I mean, I guess they transformed and doubled him later on where Kerr was wide open. No, 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 no. There was no, that was the last that was the last shot of his career. <laughs> Great face, Dave. I knew when you jumped in, you were the last person I wanted out of the three to jump in. <laughs> and when you jumped in, he goes, Yeah, later down the line. There was no later down the line, Great Face Dave. Well, that was gonna... the last shot. But O. C. or Gabo, do you have an answer for me on why they didn't double team? Who are you gonna double him? In the timeout huddle before that play, Brian woke up like he was Jimmy and Hoosier, and he's like, Coach, I got it. I'm sticking him. I told him years ago. <laughs> no, but who are you gonna who are you gonna double Michael with? It's because anybody. Now, well, well, anybody. The problem is now you know there's enough time, by the way, for Michael Jordan to offload and get it to an open shooter. And now you know, right? We've established just through those episodes, but the previous season and the current season, that if you double Michael Jordan and you leave Scottie Pippen open, Scottie's maybe that night because he was hurt, wasn't going to hit a shot. But you can't leave Steve Kerr open. Steve's going to hit a shot. I guess that's what I meant. That's what I meant. You're not going to bring Greg Ostertag off a of Luke Longley to try and, you know, because he's just going to foul. So no, I'm just know. saying I'll take my chances with a Paxson or a Kerr or whomever before I'm going to let Jordan beat me. And especially because if the Jazz win that game, they're at home game seven and Pippen's got a messed up bag. So you got to think, I don't know, I just wouldn't have let him beat me. Trying to wait longer to send the double late because as much as we talk about like the Jordan last shot, 
It was five seconds left. Yeah, it wasn't a buzzer beater. So what might have been is they thought he was going to try to run down the clock and take it with as it ticked down. So they might have been trying to wait at the last minute, and then he went earlier than they expected. Yeah, I also didn't know how close Stockton's shot was to going in. <laughs> he almost won the game for him. I mean, that like rattled in. And, I mean, that wasn't in and out, but it was damn near. And then in terms of afterwards, why did Jordan, and I, I thought about this in the moment, and then it just annoyed me again last night. Why does he hold up the five and the one and not two threes? How much cooler, look in the screen. I know this is not a visual platform, but you, you guys look at me. How much better does this look than this? This looks so stupid. This looks so tight. I'm not engaging in this conversation because I don't know why, so but I feel like that's a millennial thing. I feel like you're like that's what a millennial would do is put up two threes, and uh, a five and a one looks so dumb. Anyways, they were also smoking cigars on the floor. Think about how much that would never happen today. While they were celebrating and like David Stern was giving out the trophy and stuff, there was cigar smoke everywhere. I, I thought mean, that was kind of funny. They were smoking on airplanes. You, you got to forget about those days. They you can't smoke on an airplane anymore. Okay, that that was the fifties, great yeah, face. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was no. in nineteen ninety-seven. No, no, he was in the airplane after all the games, and he was smoking cigars oh. on the oh. airplane. Okay, Michael Jordan was smoking. I thought you meant like public air travel. People were no, smoking. no, 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 no. Michael Jordan. I and do they, remember riding on airplanes when I was a kid, and do you remember they had like the little ashtray on the armrest? Yeah, and you're riding on with the old planes. Yeah, great. That, I just made me think of that when he talked about smoking on an airplane. That ashtray was never like was never utilized in my era of flying as a child, but it was always like there would always be some random like sticky piece of candy in that ashtray. There'd be something nasty hidden in that ashtray. You never wanted to open it. <laughs> to this yeah. day, on the plane, they have a no smoking sign, and I'm like, do we really need to have that in, in 2020? I think everybody knows now you can't smoke on the plane. Maybe you like legally have to. Yeah, well, people go into the lavatories and smoke on the plane all the time still. Really? Yeah. And don't get caught? I mean, I was on a plane to the from the U.S. Virgin Islands to Miami, and homeboy went into the bathroom and was clearly smoking weed, and everyone knew he was smoking weed, and he comes out of the bathroom, and it smells like weed. There's no clouds. There's no anything. So he did a good job of dispersing the smoke, but he flushed the toilet and came out, and everyone was just like, you were smoking weed in there. But they had no evidence, so he was just like, he was fine. Wow. That's shocking. Okay, and then just some random ones. What is up? Well, the, biggest, the biggest upset of the day is that our weed anecdote came from OC and not Great Face Day. <laughs> That's true. That is a fact. What is up with Michael Jordan, the piano? He mentions the piano like four times in, the, in that documentary. He's like, yeah, what did I do before the game? Drank a couple of beers, smoked a cigar, played the piano. And they were like, you went to the lobby? He's like, nah, fool. I got a piano in my suite. And then after the after the last game, they all rushed back to his suite, and he's like sitting there playing on the piano. I mean, he, first of all, he couldn't play. He wasn't actually playing. But he has some weird obsession with the piano, which I thought was funny. And then last thing, unless you guys have something on that, it was just a random thought. I just, I I just desperately want to get through these notes so we could talk about something interesting. All right, last one. Well, I thought this was going to be, we did the Rona rant, then we had this, and then we're going to do viewing recommendations. We're almost at an hour. Whatever interesting thing you have, we can do tomorrow. Anyway, the last thing was I couldn't believe that because they made it look like Scotty and Jerry hated each other so much, but in the end of it, Scotty says there's no arguing that Jerry Krause is the greatest GM of all time. Like, So even he gave him credit. 
Scottie Pippen acknowledged that they probably wouldn't have won those championships without the roster that Jerry Krause put together, which is something you've already pointed out. There's nothing wrong with a guy acknowledging and, you know, especially after the wound has been sealed shut for so long, saying like, yeah, he did a good job, even though he personally screwed me out of probably around $100 million. That's just a classy move by Scottie Pippen. There's been some good instances of Pippen having some maturity and also the thing with Kukoc, how like he hated Kukoc so much when he started and then they ended up being good friends and he got over it. Everybody says Pippen was a great teammate. He was kind of the balance out to Jordan being a hard-ass. Pippen was kind of also a high-profile player, but was more of the, you know, advice-giving, supportive type of teammate. So a lot of this ref- things that are coming up now just reflect well on Pippen. I, I feel like that if Pippen wouldn't have gotten screwed in the contract, that, that the team in, in 98 wouldn't have been there because they wouldn't have had the budget to put them all together. So the way that Jerry did it, yeah. He did do a great job of putting the team together with the budget that he had. And it was screwing Pippen is how it all came together. Uh, We've talked about this on a previous cast, but I just have to chime in. Nobody screwed Pippen. He signed the contract of his own volition. It was a team-friendly contract. He was paid way below what he was worth. But it's not like somebody pulled the wool over his eyes or or they... they swindled Pippen. Yeah, he did it because he's. I guess he has a couple of disabled members in his family, and he wanted to make sure that he had security. So he did sign it, and no one put a gun to his head. But after a while, you kind of do. I would think that you would do right by him. Uh, there was one little thing about Pippen when they were getting ready for the game. I noticed he wasn't wearing the Pippen his Pippen shoes. He was wearing like some Team Jordan, Team Nike uh, shoes. I know that's off the wall, but yeah. No, that's a good point because I had the I had the Pippins. They were dope. I, well, I had them my freshman year, which he he probably got his shoe that next year. Who wait? Who made Pippins? Nike. Nike. Uh. I had the Pippins in ninety. It would have been ninety eight. They they said air on the side of them. I, they were I, dope. They had the air bubble all the way around. Oof, all they the were, way yeah. around. They came in white or black. Yep. I had yep. the black. I had the black. My wife has the black pair. I bought her a pair. Nice. Pippen frequently wore Jordans throughout his career, even though he had his own shoe. Huh. I didn't even realize that these were Pippins. I didn't, I didn't know that the air up-tempos were technically Scottie Pippen shoes. Yes, those are the ones I'm talking about. You can still get them. You can still find them. No, thank you. <laughs> They're really comfortable. So let's do viewing, Rex. All right. Boardwalk Empire. It is a fantastic show. It's about bootlegging. It kind of, it, 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 and it's actually funny. You were crapping on Atlantic City. Atlantic City used to be a thriving area, and this is when Atlantic City was thriving. And it's kind of based on a true story, but it's not really. And it's got who's that guy? The the weirdo from Adam Sandler. It's Steve, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. Yes, yeah, Steve Buscemi. He's the main character in it. They bootleg liquor. There's a lot of murder. My mom caught an episode once, and she said that it gives a really accurate representation of what the clothes were like, what the scenery's like. It's a very great series, and I think it runs like six or seven seasons, and it's on HBO. So if you have HBO Go or I don't your know. Mom, your mom, your mom no, was signing the costume design on the 1920s? Yes, she was, and the scenery. She said it's all very accurate. She's an antique dealer, OC. She knows these things. I didn't know she was that old, but I... I, no, I, I she she, she yeah, wasn't raised in the 20s, like but she knows about the 20s. Okay. You made it sound like your mom was uh, raised in the 20s. Just yeah, so okay. the fans are out there. 
Zach's mom is not that old. No, she's not. That would be impossible, I'm pretty sure. That would make her 100. She's a vibrant young lady. Wonderful. <laughs> exactly. What do you got, OC? Okay, this one's out of left field, but I want you guys to go watch it. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's called The Giant Killer, and it's a documentary that came out in 2017 about a real-life person who he was a Green Beret in Vietnam, and he was like a uh, – he ended up being like a company commander. He, he was like a decorated war hero who ended up being homeless, but he's the smallest guy – ever to be a Green Beret. He was four feet, nine inches tall. Wow. And ended, up, and ended up being like a badass soldier, and then he ended up homeless, and he died under really suspicious circumstances. And the guy who uh, who made the documentary is like a cop who, who became friends with him while he was homeless. He, like, started hearing stories from this homeless guy after responding to calls and telling him to move along and things like that, you know? And it's it's just really, really fascinating. The life story of this dude who was found out as a homeless Vietnam veteran, decorated war hero. They start making a documentary about him. He starts telling stories and revealing secrets and then dies under suspicious, uh, suspicious circumstances. That was amazing. You just did a billism. You combine suspicious and mysterious. Yeah, suspicious. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Gabo, you got anything? Uh, Sure. This is a throwback, kind of a... An old show that, you know, not high profile, but it's an old Fox sitcom called Lie to Me. Not claiming that it's a great show, but it's an interesting concept. It's basically about this guy who runs a consulting firm who's like, he's a beha- he's an expert in uh, human behavior and human communication. So he can like, he's like a human lie detector basically and can like read people. So he'll be consulted in by like different companies and police for different investigations. So it's all about how he reads the different tells and manner of people to figure out what they're really saying. And the guy is kind of a quirky guy. Tim Roth, this British actor, is the main guy. Mackay Pfeiffer co-stars. And uh, also Michael B. Jordan in an early role in huh. a bit part. So. I like it. GFD, want to finish this off? Yeah, I'm going to go, since we're doing the throwbacks, it's not that far throwback, but I'm going to go with Atlanta. Great show on that. On oh, Atlanta. great show. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people already know about it, but that's a good one. I know that my last recommendation was Dave which is a great show, but um, I'm going to go with uh, Atlanta, which is kind of on the same uh, level, and yeah, I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, it's, it's both shows are kind of about a, an aspiring actor, one black, one white, but yeah, both of those shows are great. All right. All right. That's it. All right. <laughs> Way to end the show. Holla. Later, boys. See you. Later, bud. Holla.